We are in week three of a four-week series on the fourfold Jesus, right? We've been talking about Jesus and his various ministries, his various Ministries is a good word. Uh, the various uh, ways that he appears to us in Scripture, the aspects maybe would be a good choice of words. Uh, we've talked about his different works, the works that he's done throughout the Bible, the way he presents himself to us in Scripture. And we looked at, so far, Jesus the Creator, which should be a capital C, don't know why that isn't. Divine in every respect, right? Creative power. Uh, continuing to exercise that power today. Last week we looked at Jesus the messenger uh, and his power and his work as one who delivers divine messages. We've uh, talked quite a bit about that, revealing the creator to the created and then of course revealing righteousness and the creator's expectations. Right? We talked about that in Romans 1.16 in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, the good news about Jesus. Now this week we're going to zoom in on the aspect of Jesus that is briefest, didn't last a long time in the grand scheme of things, but of course is no less important. John 1, 1 through 18, we said uh, quite a bit of this over the last two weeks. We're going to read all of it right now as we dig into this idea of Jesus the human. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without him was not anything made that was made. That's what we talked about the first week, Jesus the creator. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I would suggest that this refers to the messenger aspect of Jesus. His revealing nature, the things that he has revealed to us that the darkness cannot overcome. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was a witness, or he came as a witness rather, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. This is, of course, John, uh, John, the, uh, John the Baptist, who was eventually killed. The true light, which gives light to everyone who's coming into the world, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Such a sad state of affairs. But to all who did receive him, which I would hope includes us, who believe in his name, he gave right to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is what we're going to focus in on this morning. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this is he of whom it was said, he who comes after me rakes before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He, that is the Word, that is the Word become flesh, has made him known. Jesus, the human, only existed, as we mentioned, 33 years, 30 to 33 years. 33 years. He starts when he's 30. He has three years ministry. Then he's killed and he raises again. That probably doesn't count so much in the years of things. Compared to eternity. Again, it's hard to wrap your mind around this. I really want you to try. Just try with me for a moment to wrap your mind around a being who never began. A being who never began. Eternity in that direction. It's really, I, I just I can't, it breaks my brain trying to even think about it. I can sort of get the other way, right? Eternity that way into the future. 
I can get that bit, right? God, the he'll never end. But the never beginning part. Compared to smooshed in the middle here, 33 years in a mortal body. Such a short time. Yet, the life and death and resurrection, this 33 years of existence, is the central focal point of our faith. I would even suggest it's less than that. The three years of his ministry, the focal point of our faith. So briefly today, I want to talk about why the Word became flesh and what Jesus accomplished by becoming human. Why do we spend so much of our time focused on these 33 years as opposed to every other aspect of his creation, of his existence, of the things that Jesus has done? Rightly so. What does it mean for you and me? Jesus, the human. So the first few questions. Why did he become human? What was the goal? Some of this is going to be repeat. Obviously, I appreciated what Lee said, thinking about the number of times that you've taken communion if you're a Christian in your 80s, thinking about the number of times that you've thought about Jesus if you're a Christian in your 80s. Yet, how long does it take for us to start to forget when we're in the world, when we go away, and the world crowds in on our thoughts and our hearts and our minds? Why we focus on this every week. Why did he become human? What was the goal? Romans 8, 1 through 4. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We have this law, the law of sin and death, the law of what God expects and demands of his creation. That's the law. What his righteousness and justice demands. This righteous requirement of both the old law and, to be fair, still of the new law, and of every time that God's ever interacted with humanity, there have been these laws, things that God requires of us that we cannot do. That's why he sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh, our sinful flesh, to condemn sin, to destroy sin, to allow us to have that requirement of the law fulfilled. Not because I did all the things in the law, not because I was perfect, not because I acted all the ways that God wanted me to act, but because he did, right? Hebrews 2, 14 through 18, since therefore the children partook, or the children share, we're the children, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death we're subject to lifelong slavery. Fear of death. Maybe you don't fear that. Maybe you don't feel it. But it is instinctual in your body. Your body does not want to die. Every being that has ever lived, squirrels and mice and bugs, instinctively want to continue to exist. That's what we drive for. That's what we go for. That's what our lives are orchestrated around, continuing to exist. This fear of death, then, is what subjects us to the slavery 
Now, I fear death in a way that a cockroach probably can't. A, because they're way more hardy than me. And B, because they have tiny little brains, right? They don't understand that. The fear of death and the slavery that it brings is unique to me and the human condition, right? Unique to our species because I understand more about what death is and what death means. And, and I seek freedom from that slavery of fear because I don't want that fear to define me. I don't want that fear to drive me. I don't want my life to just be about surviving. I want more than that. That's what he delivers to us. Delivers us from that fear of death by becoming the same as us. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. Did Jesus fear death? When he sweat drops of blood, do you think he feared death? When he begged the Father, please don't make me do this, he became like us in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people because he himself has suffered when tempted. Tempted to do the thing that leads to survival only. Tempted to do the thing that's easy. The thing that avoids pain. He is able to help us who are being tempted. Why did he come? So that he could empathize with us. And feel what we feel. Colossians 1, 21-23, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. Reconciled, made things right again. He came so that I could have that perfect relationship with my Father in heaven that I could not have before in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel you have heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. He came so that we could have hope, as opposed to those who have no hope in the world. Those who think that this is all there is, there's no hope. They're still subjected to that fear of death, right? The slavery that comes from the fear of death because they don't think there's anything beyond this. They don't know that there's anything more to this. Their life really is just about how can I enjoy now and make it last as long as I can. That slavery that ultimately comes from having no hope. The grand plan of God is accomplished in the human aspect of Jesus. Fulfilling and replacing of the old law, which had its purpose. We don't want to say it had no purpose, but... The law that we could not follow, the law that was impossible to follow, that law given by Moses was fulfilled in Jesus and replaced for us. Amen. I'm so happy I don't have to do that stuff anymore. The formation of a perfect high priest. One who is able to empathize with us. The, it's so hard to really wrap your mind around this. The creator empathizing with what he has created. To become like us, small, insignificant things, weak, full of 
temptation and suffering and pain to become that perfect high priest for us who can empathize the satisfaction of justice and wrath upon unrighteousness because that was what happened in his death. The satisfaction of justice. Wrath fulfilled on him for us to create hope out of despair. That's what he did. But it doesn't really drive at why he came. That's the thing that he did when he came. But how? How could he do it? Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he is in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And I want to focus on these two words, emptied and humbled. He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. People don't do that now, but they will. Every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow. Why? Because he emptied and humbled himself. Emptied himself to take... The fullness of divine creative power and to empty himself of that. To be the one who deserves all praise and all, all glory and all honor and to humble himself to become a baby. We're thinking about Christmas. We're thinking about baby Jesus. I'm reminded of that line in Aladdin. Phenomenal cosmic power. To have all the deity, the creative power of, of the infinite, omniscient, omnipotent Yahweh in this size, little baby. If there's not, there's not anything else that's ever been more humble, been more empty than that. But Why? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, which we've been just finished talking about in Hebrews 11 on Sunday nights, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, founded and perfected. Founded when he became a human and lived the perfect life. Perfected when he died on the cross and rose, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You are his joy. We are his joy. Why did he do it? Because of what it would mean for us. The joy that was set before him is not the glory and honor. He already had that. Every knee should bow, every tongue should confess to Jesus Christ and Lord. That, that was the way he was at the beginning. Like that was never, that was always who he was. That's not the joy that was set before him. The joy that was set before him is what would change by doing this. What would change is that some of us would get to be with him. We are his joy. 
and we are why he endured the cross. Despising the shame, the shame that came from the cross, that's not important. What's important is the people that he saved. So as we think about these 33 years that God became human, the most important years in history, the grand demonstration of the way the Creator loves His creation, the way that the one who made you loves you, more than we love Him. In Jesus, we see how the rest of us humans then should live. The grand example, not just of how He loves us, but what, what should we live? How should we live? What should we be? What should we do? What is our purpose? We see those things. We see how we should act in his righteousness. He fulfills the law, right? Fulfills the righteous requirement of the law, showing us what we should do, how we should live. What should drive us? The joy that is set before me, being with God in heaven, but also, presumably, the people I'm going to be there with. Not going to just be by myself. I would like to be with you. And so my love with you, my love for you should be what drives me in what I do and what I say and what I think and what I feel and what I speak. My love for you, like he loved you. Ultimately, we see in his human life what we have to look forward to. Hope. Hope even though there's suffering now. Hope even though life really sometimes is horrible. But I, I think about him in the garden. I don't want to do this. Don't make me do this. Please, God, don't make me do this. But he does it anyway because he knows there's hope. I suspect you've been at that point at some point in your life where you're begging God, don't make me do this. Maybe it's something you know you have to do. Maybe it's something you have to suffer through. Maybe it's a disease or an illness or an injury. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's Loved ones that you know that are lost, not physically, but are lost spiritually, that you have to deal with and have to talk to. And, and please, God, don't make me do this. But because he did it, there's hope for you to do it too. To endure these things because he endured. And so this life, this human life, should change everything. We'll end with Hebrews 10, 19-25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, not the holy place of the temple, the holy place of God's presence, which we entered today. Did you realize that today? We entered the holy place, not this building. This building's nice, but it's not holy. We entered into God's presence when we came before him to worship him. We could have done that outside under a tree. I wouldn't want to because it's very cold. But I could still enter the presence of God there. We have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through the flesh. Since we have great, a great high priest, which we've already talked about, the great high priest who knows what it's like to be us. Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, fully confident because of what Jesus did for me, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience because I still sin. We already talked about that. I, don't, I can't fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. Jesus does that for me, and thus I am clean. 
Let us, uh, with our, our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. The confession of our hope. What is the confession of our hope? <laughs> I believe that Jesus saved me. That's the confession of my hope. Now, there's a lot that goes into that, about following him and being faithful and, and doing what he wants and, and being grateful and all that stuff. But the bare basic thing, I believe that Jesus saved me. That's, that's a confession of hope. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Faithful, how do I know that? God, who would not even spare his own son, sent him to die for us. Don't you think he'll follow through on his promise? To stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day, the day that we've talked about in the Minor Prophets quite a bit, the day of the Lord that is coming. It could be today. Is that a happy thought for you? I hope it's a happy thought that today could be the day. The day could be drawing near even as we speak. And I'd like it to be the day because I'm tired of living in this human life. Dealing with the human suffering. So I encourage you today to have a heart sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, to have your body washed with pure water, to hold fast the confession of your hope without wavering. Maybe you're wavering. You're not quite sure if you can do it. We want to help. Amen? We want to help you be able to hold on to that confession. Maybe you've never made the confession before. You could do, the, do that today because today might be the day as it draws near every moment. Make sure that you are right with God.